You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Justin, we have a podcast. Diving, diving deep. deep. Diving deep into all things Texas. Both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast. And Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General. Sean McClain. Welcome, welcome to Utopia. Welcome in, everybody, to the Utopia Football Podcast, Episode 6, in advance of the Texans' second preseason game coming up on Friday in Los Angeles. But that's not the big news. The big news just came down for us moments ago prior to recording this on Thursday afternoon. Uh, The league has finalized the revised suspension for Deshaun Watson, and we can use the word finalized because the NFL and the NFLPA have agreed to a new punishment for Deshaun Watson. We're going to get into that in just a second, but we welcome you in to the Utopia Football Podcast. I'm Sean Pendergast, one half of Payne and Pendergast, 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. on Sports Radio 610, joined as always by the Hall of Famer and my colleague at Sports Radio 610 as well, John McClain. John, this <laughs> this has felt like it's a long time coming. A lot of fits and starts, but it does appear, knock on wood, that the Deshaun Watson saga, from a disciplinary standpoint, is finally over. What's your reaction to 11-game suspension and a $5 million fine for Deshaun Watson? First of all, Sean, this story was broken by a 23-year-old guy in Boston, a fan who got a copy of the document. He has 16 followers. He broke it. Anybody else that claims they broke it are lying, and a lot are. And to Mike Florio's credit, Josina Anderson's credit, they gave this guy credit. Now, the NFL and the NFLPA, they're going to be investigating how did this document get to this guy? I don't even know his name. Yeah, his name. I got it right here, John. I got the tweet right here. His name is Joseph Pisteris is his name. Um, He's, as you mentioned, a 23-year-old whose Twitter bio says he is an independent Patriots and NFL reporter releasing news and updates from the best available sources. He had 16 followers when he dropped this document earlier today. He's up to 280 followers as of our recording of this podcast. And Congratulations to him because he got it. It's amazing to me how many people are stealing it, trying to take credit for it. And kudos to Mike Florio and Josina Anderson and anybody else that gave credit to where credit is due. 
And the thing that gets me is he gets to come back to practice after the 10th game, which will give him two weeks to prepare for the Texans. And I think, Sean, if they're going to play him, this is the ideal time for the Texans to do it because you would think he'd have some rust based on how much time he will have been. I think Landry Locker counted up 598 days between time that he would have played that last game no, for I, the Texans. I counted, John, I actually counted before I did my post on this for the Houston Press, 703 days. 703 days. Okay, yep. well, Landry's off. And, uh, in fact, let me hey, – Figgy, cut that out. Let me uh, let me start that part over. Okay. Johnny can come back after the 10th game, and he has two weeks to prepare for the Texans, and I think that's the ideal time. I know you figured this. How many days will it have been between appearances? Uh, January 3rd, 2021 was the last time he played in an NFL football game, so he will be coming up on almost two years uh, 703 days by, by my count in between, uh, in between football games for Deshaun Watson. I'd be curious. Browns fans are everywhere. And when they play here, they have a large contingent of fans. But you can imagine what those Brown fans would be willing to pay to get their hands on tickets. So I'll be interested to see when that happens, if it's a predominant Texans crowd, which the Texans would hope, because Watson's going to get booed like crazy. And there'll probably be women's groups picketing outside NRG Stadium. And then you wonder if he'll be subjected to the kind of obscene chant that he was subjected to at Jacksonville when he was close to the end zone. And they started that chant. Watson's never had any negative publicity. He's been a great player. People loved him. He's got nothing but praise all through high school, college, the NFL. So he's never dealt with anything like this when it comes to football. It'll be interesting to watch, Sean, how he can compartmentalize his reputation being tarnished forever, getting booed everywhere he goes, getting obscene chance if he can put it out of his mind and become the great quarterback he was with the Texans and a great quarterback the Browns, of course, believe he can be or they wouldn't have given him $230 million guaranteed. Yeah, John, there, there's so much to unpack from this Deshaun Watson news. Again, 11 games, $5 million fine. Uh, he's got to undergo a professional behavioral evaluation so that they can put a treatment plan together for him, which – before we get into the what this means for the Browns in 2022, because what it means for the Browns, it does mean something for the Texans because the Texans have the Browns first round pick. I want to get into that. Um, I want to get into what December 4th is going to look like with Deshaun Watson coming here to NRG Stadium. Almost feels intentional that they gave him an 11 game suspension and not a 12 game suspension. I want to get into that. But Deshaun met with the media shortly after this suspension was announced. He put oh, out a yeah. statement. And the Haslam's put out a statement. And, John, I think we were all questioning the sincerity of Deshaun Watson's apology. You and I on this podcast, I brought up the apology last week. I didn't even get to the end of my sentence, and you were already rolling your eyes at his apology. Rightfully so, I think, at the time, and I think even more rightfully so. After Deshaun Watson in his press conference this afternoon continued to maintain his innocence in all this. So basically, yeah, but he, basically, basically, I guess Deshaun Watson apologized late last week for being innocent of all these accusations. Like, what, like what, what is going on? I'm stunned that the Browns let him talk about this, but they do, and he keeps putting his foot in his mouth. Sue Robinson called him predatory. 
Goodell called him predatory, egregious. She said that he uh, violated the personal conduct policy on all three accounts that the NFL had accused him of. And today he said, I've always stood on my innocence and always said, I've never assaulted anyone or disrespected anyone. I'm going to continue to stand on my innocence. And then as why he settled, he said, because when you settle, it doesn't mean you're guilty. So he's still claiming he's innocent and everything Sue Robinson found and everything Goodell found, he says is not true. And I would imagine we will hear from Tony Busby and probably Ashley Solis about this, but boy, that just shows you how fake that apology was to Didi Kinkabala last week. Yeah. I mean, John, this is this is Deshaun Watson's M.O. this whole time. He doesn't do things that everybody says he should do until he's absolutely painted into a corner and faced with some degree of football mortality. You know, everybody said a year and a half ago he should be settling these lawsuits so he can move on. And he tries to maintain his innocence and reclaim his good name which he's never, ever, ever going to do ever again. That's a futile effort. Um, he finally ends up settling over a year later. You know, he, 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 uh, the league tries to engage him in settlement talks and he, those break off. And until it looks like he's going to get suspended for a year, he's like, Oh no, I want to settle. And they, and lucky for him, the league probably just didn't want to go to court over this whole thing. So they settle on 11 games. I mean, even the apology and the counseling and all the things he said, I don't have a problem. I don't need counseling. I have no regrets. I have no remorse. And then when he's faced with a punishment that he doesn't like, he apologizes and goes to counseling. I, I, he's he's among the most insincere, uh, lacking in self-aware athletes that I can remember in recent history that I've covered. And the Haslam's look like idiots for saying he's remorseful when yeah. obviously the only thing he's remorseful about is it became public and they filed civil suits yeah. and uh, he had to spend a lot of money to settle them. I thought it was going to be a settlement of 12 and 10 million. What do you think about 11 and 5 million? I thought I was same as you. I thought 12, 12 games, 10 million. Um, because I thought 12, you could, you could apply logic to 12 games. Sue Robinson said that the most, the most, uh, the, the stiffest punishment she'd seen for a nonviolent sexual offense was three games to an individual. I thought you could have taken that, applied it to the four cases that were presented to her, and you just go three games times four cases equals 12. I think 10 million made a lot of sense because Deshaun made 10 million last year to do nothing but sit around uh, at, uh, at NRG Stadium, um, you know, show up at the building every now and again. So I thought 10 million made sense. So I'm a little, di I'm disappointed, just not disappointed, but I guess I'm, I'm wondering what the logic was in arriving at, at 11 games and 5 million bucks because I thought 12 and 10 both made sense. Now, that said, John, I'm ecstatic that he's coming here to NRG Stadium for that game in week 13. That's juicy. That's fun. People in our business should be excited about that. And I'm with you. I think I think there's a chance he could come in there very, very rusty. I, it, it's interesting because you can look at it one of two ways. I don't think it's a coincidence that it's only 11 games. Um, if it is, then great. But let's pretend for a second like it's that, that it was requested by one side or the other at the 11 games. I could see both sides. I could see where Deshaun would be like, look, I really want to play in that game in Houston. Conversely, I could see where the league is like, you know how we're going to punish him even more? He's got to go back to where he abandoned the stadium and the team he abandoned, face the music, face all those questions all week long. And oh, by the way, play football competitively for the first time in 700 plus days 
We saw how he looked, John, in that first preseason game, having not played in a long time. It was ugly looking last Friday. So I think all of a sudden that becomes one of the more fascinating games. I want to, John, I want them to, this is the, I want them to set precedent now and, and, and new precedent and flex this game into prime time before the season even starts. Shuffle the deck, John, shuffle the schedule around, put it in prime time right now. It's the only Texans game that has any sizzle to it like this for the entire season. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I don't think there's any way they do that because then they're trying to take advantage of something that was unprecedented in the history of sports at any level. And it was all bad. Uh, There's just no way they're going to capitalize on that. And you're exactly right about them punishing him and making him play here in that first game and be subjected to the abuse. They'll never admit it. And also, Sean, you brought up about court. The reason Roger Goodell got off his his year suspension and 10 million fine is the union was going to go to federal court. Eventually it would be kicked back because the CBA is binding. This happened to Ezekiel Elliott and it happened with uh, Tom Brady, but it took a long time and they wanted it to go away. Everybody wanted it to go away. And uh, Watson after after preseason, he'll have to go back, go away, and he'll go to Atlanta and work out with his good buddy and his quarterback guru, Quincy Avery, and uh, try to, as they work up to his return, simulate as much as possible game conditions when you can work out privately. But you know he'll be in great shape when the time comes. And that would be a great time for Davis Mills and the Texans to shock the world. Yes, that is the shocking of the world we need, a week 13 win over the Browns. All right, John, so that that's the 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 suspension and how it pertains to December the 4th. It's good news for Texan season ticket holders, especially ones that are looking to flip their tickets. Not many games on this schedule this year for the Texans where you can recoup some of your expense if that's what you're inclined to do with your season tickets. I'd be more inclined to be in the stadium that day. I think it's going to be an electric atmosphere for for a team that might be at that time if you know if the Texans are are if the Texans are 4 and 8 at that time then they're right around the season win total that Vegas thinks they're going to have. John as far as the Browns go and I know you've had a chance to look at their schedule. Those first 11 games are very very interesting. Um, as of right now, Jacoby Brissett is the starting quarterback for those 11 games. You know, do they go after Jimmy Garoppolo is a separate question you and I can talk about in a second. But looking at those 11 games, the first four are very, very easy. Uh, you know, not as easy with Jacoby Brissett as your quarterback. But I think even with Brissett as their quarterback, I think the Browns are going to be favored in all four of those games where they travel to Carolina. Then they host the Jets and they host the Steelers. And then they're at Atlanta. I believe in uh, in week four. I think they're going to be favored in all four of those games. But then, John, it gets it gets crazy. The schedule after those first four games: home for the Chargers, home for the Patriots, at Baltimore, home for the Bengals, bye week, and then at Miami, at Buffalo, home for Tampa Bay. That is a brutal, brutal 
stretch that John, that stretch includes by my count, four teams that are considered among the top seven or eight teams for the Super Bowl this year, the chargers, the Bengals, the bills and the, and the Buccaneers. I believe too, when he comes back after the Texans, the schedule is difficult. They've got some tough games there, including playing at Pittsburgh in the last yep. game. And Kenny Pickett will not be like a rookie at that point. Um, if I had to pick one of those four games that they would lose, I'd say the first one at Carolina. It'll be sold out, and Baker Mayfield will have so much to prove. Christian McCaffrey will, will not get hurt before that, and the Panthers will have their best team out there. And um, and Brzezad, they just don't want him to lose the games. fact is, the Browns got a great defense. Yeah. They got a great running game, good offensive line. And one of the reasons they gave Watson that kind of guaranteed money, and they didn't care what he did off the field, was because they were a quarterback away. You mentioned about Garoppolo. Um, you know, with Garoppolo, they'd have to redo his contract, take a big pay cut, and give him a chance to make it back in incentives. I kind of think they're not going to go for Garoppolo because Brissette has been there from day one of the offseason, and uh, I think they're going to ride with him. Key is do they get another backup or do they stick with Joshua Dobbs? But Jacoby Brissette is the guy, and, of course, the Texans will be rooting hard against him. One other thing, the hottest selling ticket, at the Texans this year is the Eagles, which means the Eagle fans who travel great mm -hmm. and they have fans all over the place. They're buying up those tickets like crazy. Oh, great. And, uh, and they're going to have a large contingent here. The Browns always do anyway. And uh, so I would, I would hope that Texans fans want to see this game yeah. more then they want to make a little extra money. Yeah, I would hope so too. John, you know, it's, it, it is interesting. Um, well, first of all, I hope the Browns stick with Jacoby Brissett. That would be great uh, if they stick with him um, as opposed to trading for Garoppolo. Although I, we don't know how healthy Garoppolo is, and it's not like he's a top half of the league quarterback anyways, but I think he's better than Brissett. This is interesting though, John, the six games, I went through the, the 11 games Deshaun Watson is going to miss. As you mentioned, the six games – that he will play in, you know, you know, assuming that he comes back right away and starts against the Texans on December the 4th, they, he plays the Texans December the, the 4th, but then the next five games, three of which are on the road at Cincinnati, home, Baltimore, home saints at Washington, at Pittsburgh. You know what all five of those games have in common, John outdoors, outdoors in December. And I don't know if Deshaun Watson is an outdoor quarterback. Uh, I, you know, it remains to be seen. He's played his whole career in the South or indoors. Um, coming back rusty to play four of your last six games on the road, the last five of them in cold weather, and two of those road games are going to be in divisional road environments. Uh, Cincinnati, week 14, right after the Texans game. And then that Steeler game, the final week of the season. Now, who knows what the Steelers – I doubt the Steelers are playing for anything, but it's the Browns coming to town. It, you know, the Steeler fans always show up. That's, that is a, that's tough sledding overall for the Browns this year, which I have no problem with, obviously. I don't know, John. It, like Total like back of the cocktail napkin math, just having you and I just chopped it up you know, without getting on a whiteboard and doing all the math to it. What, what do you think – what does this feel like for the Browns record-wise at the end of the year? How many wins do you think they get on those 17 games? 
first of all, the home games, the weather's going to be awful. Yep. You know, that stadium, I've been going there since 79. It didn't old Met, Metropolitan Stadium right next door. I mean, they're right on Lake Erie. Yeah. And even when the weather, the temperature is not bad, the wind can blow like crazy. And so they're still going to have, they better hope Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are healthy because they're going to have to ride them a lot. I could see the Browns this year going at best 10 and seven, more like nine and eight. And that might keep them in the wild card running. It might keep them in the running to win the division over Baltimore and Cincinnati. And uh, I think Pittsburgh in that last game, even if the Steelers are not playing for a wild card berth, they would love nothing more than to be able to knock out the Browns from the playoff, their big rivals. So yeah. it, it, it is so intriguing the way this is all set up and it's going to make the season even more fun. And because the Texans fans will always be watching what Watson does, that makes this season even more intriguing for them when it comes to games not involving the Texans. Yeah, I think I think they went eight and nine last year, the Browns, if I'm not mistaken. And that got that was that landed the 13th pick in the draft. So if I'm a Texan fan, John, I tell you, if I'm a Texan fan, I'm feeling pretty good about this pick winding up in the top 12 or 13 again. You know, if eight wins is sort of the barometer, you know, every year is different, you know, in terms of how top heavy or bottom heavy the league is and how the wins and losses are distributed across all 32 teams. But if the Browns are hovering around 500, which I think is that to me, I feel like eight and nine is the most likely scenario. Um, That's pretty sweet, man. Another year where you're getting in all likelihood a top five pick. It's your own, just like last year. And then you're getting the Browns pick, which I think, again, is going to be in the upper half of the first round. Got to get them right. And that'll take us into talking about the Texans here in just a second. But I guess just putting a bow on the Deshaun Watson talk. I think if I'm a Texan fan, John, I would have rather they get he got a full year Deshaun Watson just because then you're really torpedoing that season for them. And the first round pick has a chance to be a top 10 pick. But if you're not going to suspend him for the full season, I think if you're a Texan fan, you walk away with the best possible scenario, which is he got the maximum suspension that he could get while still coming here to NRG Stadium to play on the 4th of December. Absolutely. And remember, the Texans right now have 11 draft choices, including the two number one picks. They also have John Mechie next year, who will be like an extra two. And there are, according to all reports, the class of quarterbacks led by uh, C.J. Stroud of Ohio State and Bryce Young at Alabama is so much better and deeper than this past draft was. And therefore, teams always need quarterbacks. If the Texans decide Davis Mills is not the guy, they'll have a lot of ammunition to try to move up to get Stroud or Young. And then um, if these guys pan out and say the Texans, say they get the pick, say it was 20th from the Browns. Yeah. You hope a lot of quarterbacks go because that pushes down the uh, position players. And if Davis Mills can prove he's the guy, if he shocks the world, then that makes it so much better for Nick Casario to be able to take a position player. What do you know? We know he won't take another defensive back. I'm guessing next year that he would take a pass rusher Mm -hmm. first and another offensive lineman second or vice versa in case you don't need a quarterback. So everybody's going to pay attention to those Browns game 
every week and hope that the Browns lose. Yep, absolutely. As you should, Texan fans. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right. So, John, let's shift gears and get to the uh, preseason game coming up Friday night in Los Angeles. Nine o'clock kickoff. So it's a late one. Um, let's play a little uh, pregame six pack. You and I go back and forth with things that we're going to be watching for in this game. Let's help the people out. Almost a viewing guide, if you will, for the uh, the game on Friday night. John, I'll let you kick off the festivities here. The first team offense, which should not be missing as many starters, has to be better, specifically Davis Mills, from the get-go. They can't afford to struggle again like they did uh, in that game against the Saints. Mills needs to get people fired up. Um. Yeah, I agree with that. That the uh, the first uh, the, those first couple drives were were tough to watch. John, I'll I'll I'll, I'll take mine my first one here in the six pack, and um, and just get a little more specific. Uh, the offensive line needs to be better, and specifically, I'm hoping that we get to see Kenyon Green for the first time. Um, that we I know he may not be out there with the first unit, um, but. If, if Kenyon Green can get on the field, if he can do enough to where he's starting for this team, maybe not week one, but early in the season, all of a sudden I'm feeling really, really good about this, this rookie class. I think most people are pretty excited about Stingley. Petrie was one of the best players on the field on Saturday night against uh, the Saints, and he's been one of the best players on the field throughout training camp. Man, if Kenyon Green can just get in there, get in shape, get going, He's coming back from a concussion, which oddly enough makes me feel better than if it were a knee. Yes, I, you yes. know, like I, I feel like a bad person when I see that it was a concussion, and I'm like, oh, phew, it's just his brain, you know, not his knee. Um, but it's football. That the fact of the matter is, I want the guy on the field. Um, so interior of the offensive line is one for me specifically. If Kenyon Green gets on the field, I want to see him play. I, I want to see him. I'm not going to say play to a level where he's, you know, he looks like a starter from day one. I'm not saying play to that level, but play to a level where I feel like, okay, this kid's moving in the right direction. Make me feel good about yourself, Kenyon Green. That's what I want. How do you get a concussion when you're not hitting and you're wearing that new beehive on your head? That's that good, was yeah. kind of strange. And he, Green had not done anything up to that point to make me think, yes, this guy's worth that pick. Now he should eventually because they know what they're doing, but he needs to play in this game and he needs to play against the 49ers and he needs to show them that he's ready to take that next step and get in the lineup. It's not like he's going up against good players. He's got Justin McCrane. He's got Max Sharping. Yeah. And it's only a matter of time he's in key is can he show enough in these next two to put him uh, to have them starting against the Colts. My sec, my other one, Sean, is mm-hmm. my next one is Derek Stingley Jr. He mm-hmm. should play in this game. He's another one. He needs to play some in this game, more in the next game, because he's going to be tested. He's a rookie. Doesn't matter. He's third overall pick, one of the highest graded, highest drafted cornerbacks 
in NFL history, people will test any rookie and he needs to play in this game. And we're going to watch him very closely and something that I'm interested in. And we talked about this on uh, pain and Pendergast this week, how much zone will he play? How mm-hmm. much zone did he play at LSU where he was a man corner and covered was all over receivers. And does he have the discipline to do that. He certainly has athleticism. And so I can't wait to see how Lovey Smith uses him when he's playing. Yeah. So you think he plays on Friday, huh, John? I just don't think you can win the last game, play him and then start him in the first game against the Colts. One game to me is not enough. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't feel as confident as you do. I hope you're right. I don't know that I feel as confident just based on the way Lovey kind of phrased things about when he got asked about Stingley playing in this game. Uh, I just I'm totally reading body language and reading into words and things like that. So I hope you're right. And I hope my gut instinct is is wrong on that. But I'm with you. If he plays, that is that shoots to the top of the list for me is not just how he plays, but how he looks, how he moves. How's the foot? All those things. Every time he's gotten out on the field during training camp, it's looked pretty good. Right. I mean, he's you know, he doesn't look like somebody who's hindered by an injury right now. But they, John, they very clearly came in with a plan for him that they've not been making it up as it goes along. Like, it feels like they came in with a plan for him that they put together, like, back in April when they drafted him and said, this is how, you know, they looked at the foot and said, here's, foot looks good, but here's what your schedule is going to look like from now until September the 11th when we play the Colts. Doesn't it feel that way to you? Like, they've had a plan. And if he plays, if he doesn't play against the Rams and he only plays against the uh, 49ers and then has over two weeks to get ready for the Colts, that shows that that to me is kind of dangerous, not yeah. physically, but putting him out there with only one game or part of a game, and then you're throwing him to the wolves. Yeah, but it's not like he's playing against great receivers in that first game or the second game or the third game because mm-hmm. they go to Denver and they go to Chicago. So it's not like that he's going to be getting burned by a great one. So if he doesn't play, it's going to be a disappointment because we all want to see him. We hope he has a debut like Jalen Petrie did when Jalen Petrie made tackles around the line of scrimmage like he did at Baylor. Yep, no doubt. All right, my second one, John, we're doing the pregame six-pack. John and I laying out some things for you guys to take a look at and watch out for in the game. Mine is Nico Collins, and I'm anxious to see if they expand the the, – you know, the amount of time the starters play, you know, they only played two series, both series went three and out. So we saw virtually nothing from the offense. I'm not wild about Nico Collins getting the, the, the veteran kid glove treatment where he was basically off with all the other starters who either didn't play or only played a couple series. And he's sitting there with no pads on hanging out on the sideline after two series. He's a guy, first of all, he's only a second year guy. Secondly, it's not like he's coming off a rookie year. It's not like he was, you know, Jamar Chase or something like that. You know, he's he 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 doesn't have that degree of cachet yet. Three, he hasn't played much football, period, over the last few years. You know, he hasn't he hasn't played substantial, like consecutive tons of football since 2019. He had a injury, he had a season last year that was kind of choppy because of injuries along the way. And then he didn't play at all in 2020. Nico Collins needs to get on the field. And then once he gets on the field, I want to see all the things that we've seen in drills and in practice translate into a game situation, because when he's gotten on the field in practice, he's been very, very good. Well, that'll be up to Davis Mills. I think Pep Hamilton's seen enough of him in the off season program and training camp to take that kind of, uh, 
contact with him, and I would expect he would play more in this game and then a little more in the last game. They got a lot of – they got a tough cuts coming at receiver. Yes. Now, they can put them on the practice squad, but who would have thought Jalen Camp was going to fight his way onto the roster? You have three veterans in Dorsett, Conley, and more. You know, what happens to them? And uh, so – uh, I'm eager to see Collins because he's clearly the second receiver to Brandon Cooks, and there's a big gap in there. Yep. I don't need to see Brandon Cooks again. Nope. You know, play, play him a quarter or a couple of series in the third quarter. He, I mean, third preseason game because he's ready to go. He's been ready to go since the first day of training camp. That's why I'd rather see the young guys, and Collins is a young guy. Yep, no doubt. All right, who's your last one, John? Uh, the last one is the guy that I projected would be in the running for NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year and a thousand-yard rusher. I want to see more of Damian Pierce. Now, I'm not talking about giving 10 carries, 10 catches. Give him five or six more and because he looked great. Average nine yards a catch, carry, and pro football focus had him the highest rate of running back of the preseason. It's pretty ob- obvious He's special, Sean. You see him make those cuts. You see him that time when he ran over that defensive back, and he's got speed. He can block. You know, he can catch, and he's not a secret weapon. And that's why I I said and tweeted that if he's not in the lineup against the Colts, they're not putting their best team on the field because he's clearly better than Marlon Mack. Not success like Mack had, but Mack's coming off two injury-plagued years, and he just doesn't move like Damian Pierce. No, no. I mean, it says something. John, I don't want to diminish Damian Pierce's performance on Saturday. You know, I'm I'm, I'm as uh, – I won't say I'm as big a Pierce fan as you because I don't think anybody's as big a Pierce fan as you, but I'm a big fan of Damian Pierce. Um, it says a lot about where this franchise has been at the running back position for the last half decade Pathetic. or so. Pathetic. It says a lot that five carries from a rookie running back in a preseason game have the city going gaga and ready to throw a parade for him uh, because, you know, he and, and again, it was a great performance, no doubt about it. It's five carries in a preseason game, and every, he, everybody's ready to, uh, to anoint him. And I am too. I think he should start for this team. I totally agree with your take that if they don't put him out there to get the – the frontline share of the reps, you know, I don't think anybody's on this team is going to be a bell cow and I don't want them to treat him like a bell cow. I don't want him burning 250 carries for a team that wins four games. I just want him to get enough carries to where he continues to develop as a player so that when this team gets competitive again, that he's the guy you lean on in the running game. But I just think like, I don't know that I've ever seen a preseason five carry performance from a guy who was in, in the second half generate more buzz than Damian Pierce on Saturday against the Saints. I still believe they need another running back. Yes. And I think they need another veteran running back because somebody has got to, like you said, he's not going to be a bell cow. You know, as a rookie, if they could get him 15 to 20 touches as a runner and a receiver, and that would help Davis Mills, would help the defense. But somebody else has got to be able to come in and take take some of the load off of him. And maybe it's Marlon Mack. You know, I don't know that it's Rex Burkhead. It wouldn't surprise me of two positions. I think I could see Casario looking for either when cuts are made or trade a low pick, another tight end who could block and another veteran running back. Yep. I think those are good ones. All right. My last one, John, in the six pack pregame six pack is the similar to the wide receiver on offense. I think there's numbers developing and an interesting 
decisions to be made along the defensive line for this team based on some of the things that we saw the second and third units doing in that Saints game and really some of the things we've seen throughout camp. I think it's a more athletic defensive line than they've had the last couple of years. Um, you know, they, they brought back some guys that, uh, that did some good things last year, like Malik Collins. Um, you know, Jonathan Grenard was their best player on the defensive line last year. Uh, Ross Blacklock is still a guy who I, you know, they're going to give him a long, hard look to see if he's a guy that is worth holding on to. But some of those guys that are sort of at the back end of that position group, uh, position group, Okoronkwo had a couple of sacks and some pressures. Derek Rivers had a couple sacks where it looked like he was shot out of a cannon. And then my guy, Big Heine, John, who I heard that I heard you on In the Loop say that he wasn't going to make the 53 man roster today. I heard you. Don't, don't, don't think you get off that easy. Big Heine, John, Big Heine, number 69, Kurt Heinish is doing things. So I'm going to be uh, dialed in on that battle for spots, I guess, what, probably eight, nine, and 10 on the defensive line right now. I don't know how many they break camp with, usually a minimum of eight, but maybe, you know, in a four, three. Uh, eight or nine defensive linemen. I think there's some really, really interesting battles uh, developing along that defensive line. When I said I thought Cardinals would be on the practice squad, Landry Locker almost bit my head off and said, that's my guy. Mm -hmm. And I want to say, no, that's Sean Pendergast. <laughs> He's a golden domer. Yeah. So if, if Heinish can play well enough in these last two games and in camp and work his way onto the roster, then that means there's going to be somebody get cut who's a veteran. You know, could it be Blacklock? You know, they've got, they've got with Jerry Hughes outside, Mario Addison outside, Rasheem Green moves inside in passing situations. They started Blacklock in that game. Yeah. And Blacklock has a problem. He, he doesn't beat double team blocks. Mm. He needs to be in a different system where he can come in off the bench and just charge up the field, try to get the quarterback. But would they keep a guy like Kynish over him? Hey, if he earns it, they'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. That, that last thing you said there, John, I think resonates the most. Like I, I, and I don't think Nick Casario is afraid to look at it and go, he's, he deserves to be on the team. He certainly doesn't have any emotional ties to Ross Blacklock. I can tell no. you that right now. No. Um, so there you go. So there are six things for you guys to watch the pregame six pack for the Rams and the Texans, nine o'clock kick on uh, Friday night. You can hear it on sports radio, six ten pregame Texans countdown, starting at six o'clock with me and Seth Payne, Clint Sterner. And I'll be on the uh, post game. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. John, before we wrap up, you've got uh, some interesting stuff coming up uh over the weekend for you, you, uh, as you mentioned on uh, Payne and Pendergast this week, uh, you had presentations to the uh, seniors committee for the Pro Football Hall of Fame, which I know you, you, uh, you're, you're part of that group um, presenting, uh, you were presenting Chuck Howley, the former Super Bowl MVP and multi-time, what, six-time All-Pro, five-time All-Pro? Six-time uh, All-Pro, five first teams, six Pro Bowls. Yep. He he had been – there were 12 finalists I requested to represent Howley on our Zoom call because I saw every game he played. I was a diehard 
Cowboys fan when I was a kid. So I came down here. And uh, so we had four minute presentation and we had two other times they could come back to us after other people had talked and Hallie's 86, he's in poor health. And uh, he'd never been a finalist and he retired 49 years ago. He finally became a finalist and uh, Chuck Alley, Joe Gletko and Ken Riley, the late Cincinnati cornerback are the three senior nominees Mm. that our regular committee will rubber stamp for the hall of fame sometime before the Super Bowl. And you're going to be traveling up to Dallas to share that news with Chuck Halley, right? It's weird. Um, his Chuck, um, he's not in good health and his son, um, invited me. He said, where do you live? I said, Houston. Cause I asked him, does your dad know when you told him he's an all of fame? Cause he said his dad had never given up that it was always a goal of his to, uh, be in the hall of fame. And I said, well, he, does he know he's in the hall of fame? He said, well, I told him and he said, is there any way you could come up here and meet him and talk to him and tell him, and maybe it will resonate more with you. So I'm going up next week and I'm going to meet Chuck Cowley and I'm going to do everything I can. And even if it doesn't resonate, at least I'll be able to tell him too. And it's, it's an unbelievable honor when you can present anybody. And other than Andre Johnson presenting him in his first year of eligibility, I've never been nervous, whether it's Elvin Bethay, Mike Munchak, Warren Moon, Bruce Matthews, Robert Brazil, Curly Cup. But I was for Halley, and I've never met him, but now I'm going to meet him, and it's an honor. Yeah. Okay. So you've never met him before. I'm glad you mentioned that you've never, you've never met him before. And I guess just for people who, who aren't totally tuned into the hall of fame process, and you may have said this, but I think it's worth reiterating when these senior committee nominees get elevated to finalist status, it's pretty much a rubber stamp, right, John? It is a rubber stamp. And when we have our meeting before the Super Bowl, they'll ask me to present him and I will. And then they'll, they'll have the presenters for Ken Riley and uh, Joe Klecko, and then we will vote on them immediately before mm-hmm. we get into the modern era finalist. And then the coach contributor contributor committee is meeting next week. And I'm hoping their nominee will be uh, Buddy Parker, who won two championships with the Lions. That's hard to believe, isn't it? That the Lions won two championships <laughs> and he was the head coach of both. Yeah. And I think it'd be great if he would nominee for them, but there's a lot of good candidates for them as well. Oh yeah, I'll bet. It feels like there'd be a backlog in that category. So John, so Chuck Halley is probably in all likelihood a rubber stamped hall of famer for the upcoming class. Andre Johnson was a finalist this past year. I think it's, I won't say safe to assume anything with the hall of fame, but I I think you you probably feel pretty good that Andre Johnson's got another decent shot at it again this year. If you had presented Chuck Halley, and presented Andre Johnson, and they both went in in the same class. Would that be, would that be just the, uh, the the most proud you've been as somebody who's presented so many people for the Hall of Fame? If you got those two guys in in the same year, that's got to be that's got to be your your uh, gold standard for a Hall of Fame presentation performance. I would imagine. Well, Howley played for the Cowboys, yeah. so he doesn't compare to the Oilers who I've presented. But he was your, he was a boyhood hero. He was a boyhood hero of mine. Used to play like I was Chuck Halley when we were out in the yard. Yeah. Everybody else wanted to be Bob Lilly. And that's why I thought it was special. 
and the fact that it took so long. And I just hope at some point it will register with him that he's finally made the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And, uh, you know, it's not official yet, but we have been, the committee's been rubber stamping the nominees from those committees because they know how hard we work on it. And, uh, and so uh, that, that would be known whenever they have the NFL honors show mm -hmm. before the Super Bowl. So that's still a long way away. As far as Andre, we didn't put any first-time eligibles last year. We took care of a backlog. But now first-time eligibles, Darrell Revis, Joe Thomas, who I think will be locks. I think DeMarcus Ware, who I thought was a lock last year. That's three of the five. And Andre made the cut uh, down, made the cut from 15 to 10. Um, Reggie Wayne and Torrey Holt, his competition at wide receiver did not. So that's a good sign. So yeah. I'll do everything I can for Andre Johnson and hopefully it'll be enough. So you said earlier you were nervous when you were presenting Andre this year? I, I sure was. Why? And you said you weren't nervous for all those other guys though. It sounded no, like because he's a, the first te Texan. Okay. Who's been eligible. Gotcha. And also because I believe I believe that he deserves it, and I know Texans fans do, and I know a lot of people on the committee because a lot of people said great things about Andre. That would be and fun. I wrote That'd them be all down yeah. to remind them next year. Yeah, that uh, what they said last year, but uh, he got it. You know, it's like it doesn't matter what the guy did before. You got to start over and act like it's all totally new. Can't rest on your laurels. Yep. But because Andre and I covered him. And I know him, and uh, so that's why I was nervous about him. And I know how many Texans fans, you know, believe he des deserves to make it as I do. And yep. you do. Yep, no, uh, no doubt, 100%, no doubt about that. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so there we go. Um, Texans and Rams coming up on Friday night, and then we've got one more preseason game with the Niners and the Texans on Thursday of next week, and um, and then we will uh, we'll have a nice little two week hiatus before we get to the start of the regular season. And again, uh, I'm sure the Deshaun Watson suspension is something that will continue to uh, resonate throughout the coming days as well. Of course, you can keep it tuned to Sports Radio 610 all week long. And we'll be breaking it down for you, myself and Seth Payne, 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. in the loop, 10 to 2. And then Clint Sterner in the show from 2 to 6. John, always uh, always great talking to you, my friend. This is this has been fun as usual. And let me remind the listeners, even though the Texans will be have a hiatus, the Utopia podcast will not. Sean, That's right. Thank you. I look forward to doing it again next week. Yep, we'll do it again next week. And you can hear John three times throughout the week on with the – Regular lineup on Sports Radio 610 on all three shows, and then, of course, twice a week on Texans Radio as well. Big thanks to Figgy Fig for uh, doing all the necessary technical work behind the scenes that you all can hear this. For John McClain, I am Sean Pendergast. We are out of time. We will see you next time here on the Utopia Football Podcast. Have a great weekend, everybody.